Yama. I'm Camilla Roy and Dungari woman Mali Silva. And this is Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories, the podcast where I sit down with some of the most inspiring Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander role models in the country. If I asked you to describe an Australian $50 note, what would you say? I imagine first you'd mention its yellow colour. Then perhaps you'd describe the face of a white-haired, smirking man featured in its centre. Do you know who this man is? Do you notice the sketches of his inventions in the background of that image? Here's David Unipon, a proud Naranjiri man from South Australia and one of our greatest ever inventors and scientists. He's often been referred to as our answer to Leonardo da Vinci and made significant contributions to science throughout his whole life including even conceptualising the helicopter two decades before it became a reality. Science and scientists have existed in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture for thousands of generations. Our innovation is what helped us survive to become the oldest continuous culture on Earth today. My guest on today's podcast is dedicated to showing the next generation of our kids that a future in STEM is not only achievable, but it's in their blood. Deadly Science is the incredible brainchild of Camilleroy man, Corey Tutt. It's something that began simply because he saw a lack of science resources, particularly in our remote communities, and he knew he had the power to change that. I'm so grateful to be able to capture Corey's passion and his story today, and I'm confident after you hear it, you'll be hungry to help him on his mission to raise the next generation of deadly scientists. Make sure you stick around until the end of this episode as well for a very special announcement. But for now, it's over to Corey. You know, if you could introduce yourself, let me know who's your mob and where you're from. My name is Corey Tutt and my mob are the Camillary people um, of Northern New South Wales. And I actually um, am from the Illawarra originally. I grew up in the south coast of New South Wales, so the Ewan Nation. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid. I didn't really, I was kind of lived a nomadic existence um, due to my childhood, so I kind of lived everywhere. So I went to school in Dapto, which is famous for its Dapto dogs, but not necessarily for its science. And um, it was an interesting place. You know, I worked at Dapto Mackens back in the day. I think I've told you this before. I used to work with um, some kids at Dapto High and I was not supposed to have favourites like in that particular role, but they were my favourite kids. So um, that's what Dapto is famous for me for, uh, not just the dogs. (laughs) And, you know, we know you are the superstar behind the incredible Deadly Science initiative that you've built. How has that been impacted by this particular moment in history? Oh, it's, it's been impacted in many ways. Um, I'm not getting out to speak to as many people as I would have liked. Um, so we've had to sort of change our direction a little bit. Um, mobs still need books. They still need resources. And it's important now more than ever that um, kids everywhere have access to the education that they need, and um, especially STEM. And, you know, we, I think that, you know, we're in a really unique time in history where, we can't drop the eight ball on education at all. Um, I think, you know, now that we're all isolated, we're all together and it's it's paramount more than ever that kids get books and resources. So um, Deadly Science has sort of been full steam ahead. Um, some of the things that I would like to have done obviously have been delayed or cancelled due to, de- due to this COVID-19 
and um you know it's it's hard for us more because we're we are a culture that is very loving um and very together all the time you know we often go over to each other's houses we you know we give each other a hug but you know we are a people that are really um built on connection and culture so it's really tough for mob out there yeah, it, I can imagine, especially I know you work with a lot of, um, you know, really remote communities and they already feel so distant. This is just making it, you know, a thousand times worse. So I'd love you to talk about, you know, for, if someone hasn't heard of, of Deadly Science, they've been living under a rock for starters, but um, it would be great for you to tell them what it is, how it started and, um, yeah, what, what you do now with it. Yeah, so um, Deadly Science started off in really, really simple ways. And it was, I, as an Indigenous man, I, I'd i always thought that, you know, like I always wanted to be a zookeeper and I was often told that I couldn't do that. And we're sort of given these directions in life where, you know, you're either good at sport or you're good at art, or, you know, you should stick to a trade, but no one ever suggested science or being a zookeeper or following your passion. And um, I was kind of a bit of a rebel in that. I um, left school at 16 and went across um, to Western Australia and worked in a wildlife sanctuary. And um, I was always on the notion that you couldn't be what you couldn't see. Um, but I, I always had this sort of belief that I could see myself being a zookeeper and I could see myself being a scientist. Um, and I wasn't going to let anyone sort of tell me that I couldn't do that. Um, Anyway, the sort of life, life has its ways of just like, it's, it's, it's a road and it's, it's such a simple, commonly used analogy, but, um, my road sort of, it went from, uh, leaving school and learning a lot about myself and a lot of responsibility, um, at a really young age to, um, I became a zookeeper. I did what I wanted to do. I set out, I, I achieved what I wanted to achieve. Um, and then I lost my best friend to suicide. And as hard as that that was for me during that time, I realised that I was still on this journey that, you know, to get what I really wanted to do and what I wanted to be and that it, it never really ends with just, you know, becoming a zookeeper or, you know, it, it was always just sort of a, a lesson that, you know, life is not certain. No matter where you go, we take many different turns and that's okay. Um, I ended up becoming an alpaca shearer <laughs> of all things um, and travelling around Australia and learning a lot about my culture and a lot about mobs everywhere because we were travelling through communities in Australia um, and, you know, I got to see the country firsthand and it was kind of like my healing. Uh, from losing my best mate, I needed that um, that healing, that that time to reflect on um, what life was for me because, you know, everyone needs a purpose and I'd lost mine. Um, and, yeah, you know, when, when I finished our packer shearing and I decided that it wasn't for me anymore, um, I get spat at probably a lot less than I do now. Um, but, you know, I, I decided it was a lot less. Like I decided that um, I wanted to chase something different and I end up becoming an animal technician and just to describe to your listeners what an animal technician is um when you have medical research which is t 
totally current is the COVID-19. There's a lot of medical research going on at the moment. Um, often we practice on animal models and um, you need people to look after those mice. You need people to rodents or, um, you know, it's mainly rodents in Australia and zebrafish. But you, need, you need people to look after those and learn those veterinary skills to take DNA. And it's, it's a complicated job, but it's really simple. Um, and I just, I couldn't get over the fact that there was no mob that were involved in science that I knew, like, and it didn't make sense to me because my pop always told me that, you know, we, we were the first scientists. We had the first fish traps. We, you know, he would point up to the stars and he'd tell me about the stars. And, you know, I always had those memories and I was so glad that, you know, I was connected to him um, throughout my childhood because I don't know really where I would be without that guidance. Um, and I, I started volunteering with the AIM mentoring group, which is, um, which we'll all be familiar with the Australian Indigenous mentoring experience. And I would go to their failure time days and their career days and I'd see, you know, art, army, I'd see uh, all these pop groups and they're all wonderful things, but there was no science. Um, and I started yarning with mob, like young mob around Redfern and Waterloo. And I started talking to them about, you know, stars and, you know, the stuff that interests me, the, the science questions, you know, the why, um, why does that work a certain way? Um, you know, how does a microbe work, for example? You know, they're science questions um, and they're questions that they're really simple to ask, but also if you change the language around them, you are doing science if you're asking those questions that's what science is and science is a form of hope as well um, we hope to find the cure for the, the COVID-19 or the, um, the cancer that you know that's part of life and you know mob make the best scientists and so do kids because they're always asking those questions and these kids were just um, so engaged in science and quickly these science talks became really popular and I decided that I wanted to do more and you know, we needed to do more because these kids were growing up with the belief of the fact that they couldn't do science, just like I did, you know, um, and their experiences were very similar to mine where, you know, stick to a trade, um, you're academically not that smart, you know, or like people like you don't become zookeepers or you need to be a zoologist and <laughs> these things are just not true. Um, you know, it's proof is in the pudding. Um, so I, yes, yeah, I just looked up remote schools and I just found out how under-resourced they were. Um, we had schools in our communities that, you know, they had the big flash touchscreen television, but they had no book, like, or they, or they had classrooms with holes in them, like, and they had kids that were growing up and then they're, they're sort of, you know, there was, there was a path and it was out of community. And the kids that are leaving community now are getting a really good education and life outside of community and they're not going back or they're coming back um, with negative influences. So um, often studying outside of community is frowned upon. Or it's, you know, it's something that um, it hurts the community. Um, it doesn't improve the community at all. But the thing is with deadly science is that you know, when we, we send books and telescopes and stuff, and it started with that first school that was under-resourced. I packed up every single book I owned and um, 
Facade is a simple thing. I mean, I never, like the first, you know, the first what year of doing Deadly Science as it is now, I never really told anyone about. Uh, my partner knew that I was going to a second job and working and um, paying for all these books. And like, she still thinks I have a gambling addiction because she didn't know where all my money was going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't gamble at all, but like it, you know, I was, it was important to me that these kids, um, you know, got the sparks that, you know, the spark from a good book or the spark from seeing something cool or asking a cool question or, you know, they're, they're the things that shape us. Um, you know, for me, it was when I was a kid picking up a blue tongue lizard, I could tell you 15 different things about that blue tongue lizard that no one else knew that was around me. And that separated, that turned me into sort of like a citizen scientist, right? Um, and these kids are like, you know, these kids are the same. They're going around, they're kicking an AFL footy or, you know, they kick it a certain way and the AFL footy floats a certain way and they're asking why. And it's that whole belief factor and changing the language around what is it to be a scientist. Um, and decolonizing science. Mm. That's exactly what I was thinking as you were you were talking about kind of the the magic of of science and how, in a lot of ways, it's kind of feels unattainable. Like I, I, growing up, I was a, a big science nerd amongst all the other forms of nerd that I still am. Um, but we used to do experiments and, and things at home all the time or whatever, whatever. And I and I just lost a love for it as a teenager. And I think it's um undeniable that that comes down to like what the expectations that are put on us are. And um I think it's so so beautiful to hear you talk about how, you know, anyone can be a scientist and there's science in everything that we do and it is it makes the world go around. Um so that's really awesome. And I think, you know, just watching your progression in the the last what six to eight months even you just kind of exploded um and i think that you know i was seeing you on every abc thing ever and um you, uh-huh. you're doing all these chats and you've got dr carl and you've got you know all this amazing stuff and i think it is a testament to how unique the work you are uh, doing is I, no one else is doing it and um how important it is uh I, I would love you to tell us about um your the junior scientist of the week um stuff that you do those photos are so beautiful and um yeah how does how does that work with the schools that you work with yeah so the deadly junior scientist award or the deadly sister scientist or the deadly junior astrophysicist award we've got heaps of awards but they all serve a purpose um, and the one you're referring to, the Deadly Junior Scientist Award, was it was something I came up with because I, again, I have this belief that kids everywhere should just have the, the ability to dream. And if you're looking for a telescope, you're doing science. You know, if you're toasting a marshmallow and you're perfecting a technique, you're doing engineering. Like, and there, you know, that is... That is at the hallmark of that belief system of like, you know, everything we do in life has a purpose. And, you know, if we, if we do it well and you have a passion, you should follow it. And, um, 
with the Delhi Junior Scientist Award, you don't have to be academically brilliant, but you just have to be given a go. Like, you know, you have to be going to school and um, the criteria for the teachers is that you have to be attending 80% of the time. Um, you have to be participating and you have to be showing like real passion for something. And, you know, some of our Deadly Junior Scientist winners, um, they seem to all be obsessed with tadpoles at the moment, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've had Deadly Junior Scientists that have said, I want to be a geologist. I love rocks. I love crystals. And these are kids that are 10, 11 years old. And, you know, studies suggest that you decide at that age what you really want to do. Um, and getting an award like that says, you know what, I've, I feel like a scientist and this is a, a award I got of an organisation that is called Deadly Science and it's from a scientist and it's not from the school and it's not like, it's not tokenistic. I've actually had to work for this award. And that's why when we, um, we don't always publish the photos because we're obviously not allowed to sometimes and that's fine. But when you see a deadly junior scientist, they've just got this um, infectious smile on their face because they have worked incredibly hard um, to get that recognition. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And so how many schools are you, do you like work with on a regular basis and, and how do they kind of end up being the ones who receive some of the books that you send off or um, the telescopes and all that kind of stuff I've seen? So. You know, this is a question we get all the time. And we get, we get um, schools contacting us from, like, all over the country, remote schools, and it's like, how much should we pay to sign up to your program? It's like, the program's actually free because um, I just believe that all kids should have access to books and telescopes. And um, we've worked from schools in Tasmania all the way up to the Torres Strait, uh, across to the Pilbara and through the Kimberley and the NT and, um, as you know, as far south as Luma in um wa and you know these um it's it's like literally over 100 schools now so that one school that i sent books to has turned into this um project that it's just grown um and we don't just send books we send telescopes we've sent chemistry kits we've sent um, we really listen to the communities and you know what do you need what do you want your school they say okay we'd really like some chemistry kits so we make it happen um and that's literally the there's no um magic tonic behind it it's literally just listening and making it work um whatever way possible um like i said for the first what year and a half of this project i was working my 38 hours a week at the university um cleaning rat cages and doing all that stuff which is not a nice job um and then i was working at a pet hotel <laughs> at night um and in the afternoon and you know what for all those blood sweat and tears that i put in it is so worth it because um not only do um, i see kids um picking up books and asking questions and just being infectious by like their love of science um kids in the hand the books in the hands of mob and kids are way better than books on the show in my opinion mm. I think that you are underselling your uh, work ethic and uh, ability to get things done because 
you know, you can say like, oh yeah, it's just as simple as like, if they want a chemistry kit, they get a chemistry kit and we just turned it into a hundred schools, but like that they need it. So it's going to, but you, you like off your own back, as you said, your partner thought that you had a gambling addiction because you were paying for all these books. You've done this, you've made it happen. And, you know, I remember when we caught up for coffee, what was that last year? I don't know. All the years blur into one. Um, and you're, and cause I'd seen your Instagram and been in message you from my Instagram and be like, Hey, this is really cool. Like, let me know if I can help you out with anything. And you're like, this is my number. Give me a call. Let's get a coffee. Boom, 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 boom. And like that to me, I think that's really rare. Like that, I think, you know, shows a, a level of fearlessness, like to you, you know, what, cause I think that a lot of us, you know, it's it's pretty human to kind of have insecurities or doubt yourself or whatever. Like what is it that goes through your head where you're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get Dr. Carl on a live stream in these kids' classroom. I'm going to make it happen. Like how, what, what's going on up here? Give us the secret ingredient. <laughs> I'm probably a little bit crazy to be honest, but um, <laughs> I think, you know, what it is, it's, it's, it's a sheer determination to, to not, to stop, stop the the doubt. Um, I think the biggest limitations are those we put on ourselves. And I know that, like I know that I don't have the full power that um, to change the perception of Aboriginal kids. Because I, I personally, my greatest achievement is that you know, and I've won a, a quite a few awards now. And, you know. And I, I've, I've got so many things that I can be proud of, but the proudest, the thing that I'm most proudest about is that, you know, I get to meet people like yourself that are really supportive. And I've also changed the perceptions of um, those in the science community and also those in the general public that had this perception of Aboriginal kids of, you know, they're all criminals and they're all like art and sport. And that's the greatest achievement is that, Every time I put a photo up or I share something that Deadly Science has done, I'm not surprised that the kids love science at all, but I'm surprised at the reaction that I get from the general public on the street. Like the other day I switched on the news and there's someone wearing a Deadly Science shirt. Um, and I know that person is part of my team trying to, um, you know, trying to make science equitable, like make it, you know, available for everyone. And there's this I there's this burning desire in me that I have that sometimes scares me a little bit that, <laughs> that I can talk to a Dr. Carl or someone like that and not be intimidated. But there is a mission that's at stake and it's um if I if I feel like sometimes if if you don't be brave and you know fortune does favor the brave but it also um has ended in many doors being shut in my face um, from people as well, from being tenacious. But, um, you know, you've got to chase it. If you don't chase it, you're just going to wonder. Well, it's it's incredible. And I think that um, uh, we were all very grateful for you being gutsy and, and not afraid to have do doors slammed in your face. I guess we can we can all learn from that and, um, you're, you're exactly right when we talk about the changing perceptions. There's still, unfortunately, a lot of low expectations that are put on our kids on what, on what they're capable of doing. And, you know, we talk about trying to fix particular solutions and they all seem very complicated, but I think it will be aided if 
our kids become the experts that are leading the forefront in particular areas? Yeah, definitely. Oh. I, yeah. Um, so just for example, I mean, I, I spoke to some kids today, I did a Skype session and the questions they're asking are no different to any other normal kid in the city that has all the resources and bells and whistles and the, the perfect um, private school upbringing. Um, kids are kids and mob are mob and we are a really gifted, um, beautiful bunch of people that have a wonderful culture that um, should be taught in all schools, in my opinion, that, you know, we were the first scientists. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful that I get to share that experience. That's awesome. So what's on the horizon for Deadly Science? Do you have any, you know, big, new, exciting things up um, in, in the next little while that, are, that you're working on? I, I know you've announced some partnerships recently that are pretty cool. Yeah, so we just announced a partnership and it's only a small one. Um, we're still a self-funded project. Um, we don't get any government funding or anything like that. Um, but we um, announced a partnership with the Australian Space Agency, um, which is good because they're going to sponsor some books and telescopes going out to remote communities, which um, is fantastic. And it's fantastic that an organisation that hasn't been around with us for very long has seen a need for First Nations perspectives in their organisation. And I'm really glad that they've partnered up with Deadly Science to do that. Um, I've also got a new website that's coming out, um, a teacher's resource website. So um, kids in the bush can um, Skype as scientists and ask a question. Um, teachers can exchange resources. And it's the, it's the whole notion of, again, seeing what you can be. Um, you can't be what you can't see. And that play on words and just using that in a practical sense. Um, we've got a number of sort of um, <clears throat> a number of sort of projects coming up, which is it's probably gonna uh, hopefully um, revolutionize the way that we teach science in remote communities uh, coming up. So there's a lot to look out for. Yeah, as if you already haven't been doing enough in the last little while. I know you were named New South Wales Young Person of the Year. Am I getting that title correct? Yeah, but I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've done so many jobs and lived so much of a life that you should be older than you are. When you're going from, oh, yeah, to the alpaca cheering thing to this, it's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I found a great hair this morning, so maybe they might take the award off. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a New South Wales Young Australian of the Year, um, which again, it's how did so that fun. feel? Oh, um, to be honest, I like it was a bit of a whirlwind. I found out I was nominated, um, which I was like, yeah, that that's great. Uh, you know, tell my mum about that. Like, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and I was really proud, but also I did not expect anything from it. Um, I'm sure thousands of people get nominated for these things every day and they're, they're deserving of these awards and um, they probably don't get a look in. And I went to the awards night and um, went to Government House and everything and I was so convinced that it wasn't going to be me that was chosen that I didn't even write a speech. Um, I was just lapping up the free canapes, you know, as you do. Um, <laughs> and, like, all the, you know, just... I was just lapping it up. Like, I was just like, I was just happy to be here. I brought my mum along and, you know, mum, you know, she wasn't the best mum to me, but I was so proud that I could have her there. 
Um, so she could, you know, she could just experience it. And we got to the awards and a hand, you get given this honor roll. So like, if you're a finalist, you get given this honor roll and it's, it's really special. And I just hand it to my mom and go, this is yours. Like, and this is for you. And it was really proud for her. Like, it's a really proud moment for her. And no one, I don't think anyone in the room expected my name to be read out like 30 seconds later. And I kind of, my name got read out again. I kind of sat there and was like, um and you know i got up on stage and like i all i could think of was my family um of course but i could think of every single deadly junior scientist was just stuck in my head or every school i've worked with and every person i've met and i just sort of like i was still in a semi-state of shock and i like my speech was just you know thanked all the communities and thanked all the mob but then i was like and be kind to your mum. And it lasted like 20 seconds. And I just, I sat back down and it was just like, it's like a bomb had just exploded. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's incredible. Yeah. I can't, um, I can imagine that would be a bit of a jolt. I mean, I definitely can empathize with the whirlwind of things and stuff happening and you just kind of being like, how did that happen? But I think it is all a testament to the fact that we are in the right time in history where those who've come before us have paved such a path that we can do this. And um, I think that the people who've come before you would be very, very proud as um, you should be of yourself and you deserve accolades like that. And I think there's very exciting things ahead. And, you know, I, I just love the idea of every kid having a chance to you know, fall in love with science in that way. And I know for a fact the people who listen to this and, you know, are, f- are maybe just hearing about deadly science for the first time or are familiar with it but are just inspired by what you're saying, um, they will want to know how we can support you. And, you know, is there – do you take donations for books? Um, you know, where do we donate? Can You know, is it through buying a deadly science T-shirt? Let us know. We want to help. There's, there's many ways that any people can help. Um, obviously I wouldn't ask people to donate to the GoFundMe, um, if, you know, people are losing their jobs at the moment and it's, it's a really tough time, especially for us mob, it's, you know, we, we have the added pressure of working and being a person of color and being a first nations person. And, um, but if you can, I'll greatly appreciate it. Um, you can't, that's fine. Um. Buy a shirt. They're for, they're $30. They're really cheap. Um, and when you wear a shirt, you're part of the, you know, you're part of the mob. You're part of um, something that's helping kids around Australia. And um, I guess share us and wooshka, you know, uh, if you like us, share us. Um, if you hate us, don't, don't message us. Um, but, you know, um, if you want to, if you want to donate a, um, a book or have some books to donate, um, just send us an email. Um, due to the large volume of like, I guess, emails we get for books, donations, and um, we do vet them because sometimes we get like um, old books that have been like like 70s and outdated and um, we can't really send those off to schools because it's not really fair that we send this huge encyclopedia of like the world maps um, to a kid in the bush. Um, So we try and send updated stuff um, because the resources that we want to send are stuff that kids can use today. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that, um, you know, people who can really, really get behind it because I think 
yeah, we can't overstate the the impact that you're having. So, you know, um, thank you so much for making the time to have this this chat today. It's it's one that I've wanted to capture for a long time. And, um, you know, even just in making this podcast, you know, when you start mentally making a list of guests that you want on there, you're definitely one of the first ones that came to mind. Um, so congratulations. And, um, yeah, I, I to, honestly, to think of how much you've done in just the last little while, who knows what is just around the corner. So thank you so much for joining me, Corey. Thank you for having me. And, you know, first and finally, thank you for being such a big support. I remember when I first met you and, you know, this thing was sort of like a fledgling thing that was just sort of getting off the ground. You were so for it. And, you know, just having you there as a support um, has been really great for me. Um, and, yeah, I just um, thank you. I can really say. No, no. The the thank you is, is from me to you, man. Like you got this <laughs> and um, here's to the – <laughs> here's to the next generation of deadly scientists uh to taking taking over the world definitely um and watch this space because they're going to come up thank you for listening to this episode of always was always will be our stories thank you so much to Corey for jumping on for a yarn and for all the amazing work you do if you want to support Deadly Science, make sure you check them out on Instagram and Facebook. They've actually just become a registered charity, so donate if you can or grab one of their very deadly hoodies. So, you've hung around this long to hear the special announcement, right? Well, this week, you're not only getting one episode of Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories, but two on Thursday, you'll get a special bonus episode featuring Alan Clark, who is an incredible journalist, and he's the director of a new documentary which is focused on drawing attention to the Bowerville murders. They are actually crowdfunding to make sure this incredibly vital story is told in this way. So set your alarms and make sure you tune in for that one. If you are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe on wherever you're listening to us right now. Give us a good rating if you're enjoying it, leave a comment, or follow us on social media at Always Our Stories. This podcast is written, hosted, produced, edited, the whole bit by me, Marley Silver. And I do so on the unceded lands of the Dharawal people south of Sydney. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stay deadly and I'll catch you next week.